Welcome to the Bike Life Podcast by Warm Showers Foundation, where we will be sharing knowledge, experience, tools, and stories of touring cyclists and hosts from around the world. I'm Tavar Lee, the woman behind the scenes at Warm Showers Foundation, the leading platform for cyclists looking for hosts and to connect with a passionate international community. Find out more by visiting us at warmshowers.org. This Bike Life podcast is brought to you by BikeFlights.com, your source for the best bicycle shipping service and bike shipping boxes. Whether you're shipping for a trip or after a sale, whatever your shipping needs, Bike Flights makes it easy. Take advantage of Bike Flights convenient residential pickups and they'll come and get your shipment directly from your home or wherever you're staying. Visit BikeFlights.com forward slash warm showers for more information. Now on to the show. If you've been thinking about planning a tour yet, but you haven't quite taken that final step, maybe you're seeking a little more knowledge or wondering if you have enough experience, well, I'm here to tell you that this show is going to be a great place for you to learn more. And although this show was originally published in 2020, it's really good. And I'm interviewing this amazing seasoned cyclist. His name is Bill, and he has logged more than 20,000 miles. He has tons of information for you and will help you make the decision and create the plans that you need to get out there and start touring. So whether you're a seasoned cyclist or you're still new and still planning, everybody has something to learn. So I hope you enjoy the show. You're listening to Bike Life Podcast, and we have another amazing guest with us today who is a 66-year-old touring cyclist who has logged over 20,000 miles touring 20 states west of the Mississippi. And he also enjoys to host, and he is an avid tourist. And I am so excited that I have my co-host with me, Donna Price, the Board of Directors for Warm Showers. And we are here to welcome Bill Roy with us. Thanks for joining us, Bill. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. So 20,000 miles is a lot. Uh, yeah, that's just, that's just my recent mileage, uh, since I retired uh, a few years back. Uh, I, uh, have been, uh, since 2016, taken four, uh, major tours across the West, uh, everywhere from uh, pretty much every state West of the Mississippi. So how many miles do you think that you've logged in total in your lifetime touring on your bicycle? Well, touring, I can't tell you. I, I, I have been a person who's kept track of my mileage, and I've done over a third of a million miles. Wow. Uh, but touring, it's probably 30,000, 40,000 miles because I toured a lot also as a student when I was younger in my 20s. Right. So you've done longer trips since you've been retired, but you have been touring since you were younger. Yes, yes. I did a lot of young trips uh, during the summers, uh, uh, an occasional summer. Uh, when I was an undergraduate student, a graduate student, and then also while I was still single. Uh, but then, of course, uh, marriage and family uh, to, uh, intervened. And then, then uh, I retired early. Uh, one, of, one of my aims of retiring early was to be able to bicycle tour again while I still had the physical wherewithal. And uh, I started with shorter tours of about a week before the last four years doing a lot of touring throughout the West. And I'm trying to get those tours in right now because uh, the physical demands of the West, as you are aware, the, the broad expanses, 
a lot of uh, mountainous terrain. Uh, they're physically very challenging conditions, and I want to be sure to enjoy as much of that as I can while I'm still physically capable. Mm, yeah. So tell us, like, what are some of the favorite trips that you've done, whether it was when you were younger or currently? What's been the most impactful for you? <laughs> They're all wonderful. Uh, never is there a bicycle uh, tour uh, where I'm disappointed, even if it's just a you know 36 hour uh, overnight uh, shaking shaking the bugs out uh, before I go on a major tour. Uh, the last few years, I've been throughout the Rockies, throughout the Cascades, throughout the Sierras, along the Pacific Coast, uh, and and uh, it's been a joy to be able to do that uh, again in my uh, later years and and still uh, be able to enjoy it. Uh, of course, uh, when when I was young, I, I I enjoyed a lot more now than I did when I was younger. Of course, when I was younger, the equipment wasn't nearly as good. Uh, I was uh, dumb and uh, probably didn't uh, understand uh, when to exercise better judgment. Uh, so uh, really, it, it's been more fun now. Uh, one of my uh, most enjoyable trips, of course, uh, would uh, be Europe when I was a younger person. Uh, I hope to get back to Europe someday. Uh, but touring in Europe is a lot easier than touring in the Western United States. So I figure that's something I can do when I get 70 or later. So when did you join warm showers? I joined warm showers uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, when I tour, I'm a solo tourist, of course, self-supported. And uh, I prefer to camp because of course, being on a bicycle is about being outdoors and, and, uh, and staying overnight outdoors is, is every bit as much uh, a part of the fun as uh, rolling down the road and, and, and immersing yourself in the experience. Uh, but I uh, have been familiar with warm showers for a number of years, belonged some years ago, but never had occasion either utilize it or, or, or uh, have anyone uh, uh, in, inquire whether I could be their host. But uh, a couple of years ago, I finally uh, used it for the first time uh, when I was touring out uh, through the Cascades and the Pacific Coast. And uh, I, I prefer to utilize it. I, I Again, I prefer to camp it. But the two times I utilize it is when you're going through a metropolitan area. And, of course, camping is not so good in bigger, bigger cities and towns. And, of course, when the weather turns bad. Uh, so I'm one of these persons who... Uh, often is looking for hosts probably on very short notice. <laughs> if I fail, I, I, I turn to a motel. But uh, uh, I've uh, had occasion to use it uh, probably a handful of times uh, since then. Uh, the one thing, of course, about warm sh or about bicycle touring, as I say, it, it, it takes you uh, out into the world. It's your opportunity to explore the world. Uh, but the great thing about being a host with warm showers is it brings the world to you and the world of bicycle touring to you, uh, which again, you know, looking forward as I, uh, get older and I can't, uh, bicycle quite so many, uh, miles myself. It's great to, uh, kind of relive the experience with, uh, we've had a couple of guests, uh, kids, you know, not more than 30 years old in their twenties. Uh, stay with us and it reminds uh, both by the way uh, who had a level of experience or inexperience uh, much as I did when I first tried in my 20s 
and it, it it's kind of fun. It takes you back to those days. And uh, but to be able to, of course, host them and make them feel at home and get rested and recovered and help them get back out on the road again the next day. And where have your guests been from, Bill? Uh, our guest, uh, one was a young man who was uh, I can't recall precisely where he's from, but he was uh, bicycling from Seattle to Washington, D.C. And then our second guest was a young woman from New Zealand. Uh, who was going from San Francisco to Savannah, Georgia. Uh, I, uh, my, my wife, uh, of course, I had to get her to go along with it. And I told her, oh, don't worry, they're just like me. These guests will likely be just like me, and <laughs> cer- certainly they are. And uh, she's, very, she's very much enjoyed it and getting to, uh, to uh, know the guests and to hear their stories as well. Yeah, that's definitely been one of the things we've enjoyed is having people from, like you said, around the world and bringing the world kind of into our house. And and being in a rural area, it's been nice also because we don't have right. as right. many people here. So yeah. it's nice to have people visiting from Portugal or, um, I've always, or Kansas. <laughs> I've always heard the statistic uh, about 50% of all warm shower guests tend to be persons from other countries. Is that sort of, or maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe I've just gotten that in my head somewhere along the line. Of course, for our couple of guests, one has been uh, from another country. Uh, but uh, because, yeah, you have to, when you tour, you do go across rural areas. So when you, when you find uh, people who host in rural areas, there's pretty good odds they're going to get to meet someone from, from, from another country. And Bill, has your has your family, has your wife ever gone touring with you, or is this something you do solo? No, this is strictly me. <laughs> yeah, strictly me alone. Yep. Some good, some good me time and in nature and and stillness is so good. But has has that been a challenge? Has there ever been a challenge around you know the dynamics in your relationships when you go for longer tours? Uh, no. Uh, of course, she knew I was a bicyclist when we met. And, uh, I, uh, I tend to go, uh, in the summer when, when, uh, you know, taking a lot of vacations in the summer, well, again, we're retired. So we can vacation together in the spring and the fall, the shoulder seasons when there's fewer crowds and the weather's a little more pleasant, uh, together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she can kind of enjoy her, uh, days at home and, and, uh, enjoy her time in the garden and so on. Uh, of course we keep in constant touch, you know, there's, endless texts and phone calls and everything mm-hmm. else uh, during the course of the day. Technology certainly changed since I first toured uh, nearly 50 years ago. Definitely. So I hear that you're planning a big tour, hopefully in the future. <sighs> always, always, always dreaming about the next tour. Uh, my, my dream tour or my dream challenge has always been, I have a sister who lives in Fairbanks, Alaska and to bicycle from Fairbanks back to Kansas, uh, and, uh, having kind of pieced together segments of it in recent years. Um, uh, I'm, I'm pretty confident. I, well, I'll put it this way. I'm confident I could, I could do that now. When I was younger, of course, I would have just set out not knowing, not thinking about the the uh, challenges or, or the, uh, risks or anything like that. Uh, but of course you certainly weigh those much more realistically as your years go by on the road. And, uh, 
I'm, I, I uh, imagine uh, getting uh, from through the north end of that's a little more challenging, but I'm, I'm uh, confident I can do it. Of course, it's the old thing of any time you tour, you just have to take it as it comes. I've, mm. Definitely. That sounds like a big ride. So what do you look at as far as like risks when you're planning? Well, I've, of course, got my equipment, my bicycle very well dialed in these days. So that's not much of a risk anymore. And actually, as I always tell uh, my my wife and my friends, uh, America and I imagine Canada, uh, you know, help is never uh, any farther than a thumb and a pickup truck away. Mm. Uh, so if you ever do run into to uh, mechanicals or or some other problem, uh, you can always hitch your way to uh, to the next town to find your solution. Um, the I was going to say I, I would imagine again I haven't been through Canada, but I would imagine wildlife is a bit of a a risk coming down through uh, Canada. Hmm. Yeah, I would think so. Just the books I've read of people touring through um, Alaska and Canada, I think the wildlife's a little different. Although we have black bears here, so sometimes yeah. when you're out on a ride, well, black bears I don't worry bears, about. I've but, I've encountered black bears, uh, but I've never encountered a grizzly. Where where and, did you encounter where where did that happen? Where did you encounter a black bear? Uh, Sequoia National Park. Yeah. And actually, that's when I was out hiking. I just took a hike one night up a trail, and I hear a twig snap maybe 20 feet to the left of me, and there's a bear pretty much walking right alongside me. Uh, you know, he was out, or he or she was out uh, probably just looking to turn over a log and find something to eat, and, and probably knew I was there all along, but until I heard the twig snap, I had no awareness that the bear was there. Uh, yeah, animals seem to sense us before we sense them in a lot of yeah, times. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yes, I, sure. actually, if, if you want a wildlife story, I was in Yellowstone in 17. I was in the hiker biker site at Canyon Village, and I was way out on the periphery of it. I'd gone to a ranger uh, talk that evening, but left early because you could hear a thunderstorm approaching. Got into my hammock, started to watch a Netflix movie because I wasn't tired yet. Hear the thunderstorm kind of recede to the east in the distance, but I hear this this rumble still outside of my tent, kind of going, <laughs> if you can catch that on your sound. And I realized I had a bison right outside my hammock. Mm. And I immediately went perfectly still. And it stayed out there for a while, but I stayed so still. Of course, I finally just fell asleep. I have no idea how long I was out there. But I went out the next morning, and all the calling cards were not too far away. There was scat. And you could see its hook. You could hear it pounding its hooves and everything else uh, just outside my hammock. Uh, I talked to a ranger at, at the uh, program at the tower campsite the next night. He was giving how to uh, a talk on what to do if you encounter a grizzly. And I told him I'd, I'd had a closer encounter with a bison. He said, well, they, they can no, no better smell, see, or hear than we can. He says, so just going still was the best thing I could have done in that instance. Mm. But, Even when uh, you were sleeping? Pardon? Even when you were sleeping, there wasn't, like, there wasn't anything that you needed to do at the time? 
Well, like you're not going to crawl out and see if it's right. out there. Right. Like, yeah. As he said, the, 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 the bison couldn't, couldn't see or hear. It was dark. Right. You know, he, he'd noticed my light and everything. So I just, I, I just went dark, went still. And the bison apparently kept the same distance, lost interest, and wandered off somewhere. And moved on. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. They're definitely huge. Mm-hmm. When we were in Yellowstone, they approached our picnic table, and it was like you saw everybody else getting in their car, and we were on bikes. And it oh, was yeah, like, okay, yeah. We I, can't get in the car. Yeah. I've been through both the Hayden Valley and the Lamar Valley when, of course, the bison are out there, as, as my daughter characterized it, on spring break. And, uh, and uh, you know, they'll, they'll be all over the road, just hunt dozens or hundreds of them. And what I do in those instances is I just grab a car or sometimes two car and use them like offensive linemen and stay behind them or between them and, uh, and, and uh, kind of uh, crawl my way through the bison herd. Today's episode is brought to you by bikeflights.com, the leading bicycle shipping service and bike box supplier for cyclists. You'll enjoy low costs, excellent service, and on-time delivery with every shipment, and you get preferred handling for your high-value bikes, wheels, and gear. As a brand built around a love for the outdoors, they are committed to reducing environmental impact and every bike flight's shipment is carbon neutral. Join the nearly 1 million cyclists who have used bike flights to ship their bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence since 2009 and see how easy it is to book, manage, and track all of your shipments. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers today for more information and to book your shipment. Now back to the show. So you reference hammock camping. Uh, what is that? Um, instead of a tent, I have a hammock. Uh, I don't know if I can name brands here or not, but I don't have to. But it, it, it's essentially a tent that just, uh, uh, you know, I, ha- I can tie it off to two points. It's got an integrated mosquito netting and a rain tarp. So it's every bit as, uh, as uh, weather-worthy as a tent. But the thing I... I love about it is because you sleep on your back with uh, absolutely equal pressure all the way from your head to your heels. I just sleep like sleep like a baby in that thing at night, and I can sleep easily ten hours or more uh, every night without ever moving an inch. It's, it's funny when I first uh, was doing a couple of shakedown. Well, actually, my first tour after I retired, I got my little one man tent and everything, and the air mattress and uh, and. Uh, or the pad and so on. I spent one night on it and that was enough. I stayed in motels. That was just a one week tour. I stayed in motels the rest of the way. I got home, I got on the internet and started uh, uh, studying options to uh, a tent, came up with the hammock and I absolutely love it. Of course, uh, sometimes you can't find two places to attach it. Right. So on, on those occasions, you you do sleep on the ground, but that doesn't happen. But you know, maybe one night out of every fifty. Interesting. And one other thing that you mentioned that you knew how to prepare a hot meal in a thermos. Tell us yeah. about that. Yeah, uh, I was going to say also also in in preparing for all these, I watch a lot of uh, started to watch a lot of uh, YouTube videos of of these uh, Pacific Crest Trail hikers and. Appalachian trail hikers and so on in order to get my camping skills uh, up to speed for the current times. And I don't know who it was, but somewhere along the line, I saw 
a YouTube video about how to make hot meals by using a thermos as a slow cooker. Mm. Uh, and believe me, when you're touring at high mountain elevations, it's nice to have a hot meal uh, in your stomach before you go to bed at night and so on. And, and the principle is very simple. Of course, you boil the water, you put uh, you know a little sleeve of rice or noodles and perhaps another sleeve of tuna in the thing, shake it and let it sit for 10 or 15 minutes. And it is fully cooked. It is completely hot. You've utilized very little fuel. It stays warm while you eat it. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a trick that I recommend to anybody. Of course, it's a little extra weight. Uh, but, of course, bicycles can accommodate a lot more weight, for example, than a backpacker can. If a backpacker can do it, uh, we cyclists can do it. And, and on the flip side, it's, you know, it's, easy, it's an easy way, way to make a great uh, heaping helping of oatmeal in the morning. Uh, another th- thing that it works well for is if you are camping, uh, say you're camping in the woods and not at a campground, where, again, wildlife's a consideration. Uh, you can go ahead and fix it, eat it, and then take, and then you you put the top back on it. Of course, which covers up the odors of the the meal itself, as well as you throw all of the trash from your preparation inside the thermos. In other words, all your all your uh, odors are contained for the night, and you can toss them somewhere the next day when you get down the road. Uh, of course, a couple other things about it is, uh, you know, you can also fix it hours ahead, and it'll be warm hours later and then of course you can clean it up uh separate from your campsite if you're camping out in the woods as well in some uh, town the next day very cool we used to do that like for hard-boiled eggs mm-hmm. send them with the kids to school in a thermos of hot water and by the time they ate lunch they had a hard-boiled egg well now that's that, <laughs> but, that's so. a good idea that's something i haven't tried that's something i could definitely do you know i could pick up some eggs, uh, uh, one day and, uh, or, or one afternoon and have them hard boiled for the next morning or something. Uh, yep. actually it's, it's funny cause the first time I tried it, I, I ran into two other bicyclists along the Katy trail and I'd had this thermos set up, but had never used it. Of course it's hot as can be in the Midwest in the summer. And, uh, so, but they were going to cook dinner. So I decided, Oh, well, since they're cooking, I'll, I'll go ahead and cook dinner. And I made, uh, uh, mashed potatoes. I took a couple bites. It was way too hot to be eating a hot meal on a hot evening. But of course I woke up the next morning, it was cold and I had the hot potatoes from the night before <laughs> for breakfast. <laughs> it's interesting how nice. what you eat for what meals doesn't matter. There's no like specific set food you need for what meal when it comes to being hungry and being in nature, you just need the fuel. It just Strictly, becomes fuel. I was going to yeah. say, I look, I look as food as at food as fuel and calories. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Are there definitely, and there's certainly some road food that you try and cook at home that just doesn't taste good at home, but after a long ride or a long hike or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it not, it's good. not a diet I would eat at home, but no. of course it doesn't make any difference. You just burn right through it. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So, so Bill, what other suggestions would you give for people that are starting to plan a trip? If they, if they have something that they want to plan that is, um, long-term and they're, they're looking at things like food or gear or, or even how to start to put together a plan, what would you suggest they start with? Wow. There's a lot there in that question. Uh, 
probably first, yeah, uh, identifying your, your, your bicycle would be first and foremost in getting it put together and outfitted. Uh, again, how things have changed over the year. I absolutely love disc brakes. Uh, that's, uh, I, I mean, I can kind of compare, uh, again, nearly 50 years ago versus today. Uh, I definitely would, uh, recommend, uh, disc brakes, uh, if you're, if you're, if you can on, on a touring bicycle these days. Um, of course, then putting together, uh, your, your packs and your, and your camping equipment and so on, uh, would be your next step. Uh, and then of course, start with, start with short tours. And by short tours, I mean, overnight to test out your bicycle, to test out your equipment, uh, to test out your camping skills, maybe then ratchet it up to two or three days. Uh, and insofar as approaching a longer tour, I have in, in every tour I've ever taken, I have never had a predetermined route with predetermined overnight stops. Uh, I'm a big believer in spontaneity and imp- imp- improvisation. Uh, you cannot ever worry about the miles you are doing in a day. Uh, you need to, or, or the speed at which you're traveling, you need to uh, immerse yourself in the, in the uh, place in the moment, and not worry about distance and time at all. Uh, you never know what you're going to see along the way, either in terms of uh, sites or the people you're going to meet. Uh, you you need to always be willing to adapt on the fly. And that will also make your tour immensely more enjoyable from a psychological standpoint. I cannot imagine it, w- when I was young, I would worry about, you know, getting 80, 100 miles or even more down the road each day. Now, if I'm going along and I'm not, if I want to take a nap in the middle of the afternoon, I just pull off and take a nap. If I (laughs) am feeling hungry or want to do something, I just find a shady spot and, and just do my own thing. Or if I find a a local site, that's exceptionally interesting. If I find, if I end up going into a restaurant, somebody wants to talk, I'm more than happy to talk uh, bump into another uh, touring cyclist, uh, stop and share stories. Um, but I, I just I just set a general outline of a tour, some spots I want to hit along the way, and and uh, we'll we'll improvise from there. Uh, sometimes I'll change course, you know, an hour later just because the wind shifted. Else, you know, I might have planned to go from point A to point B by going north first and then east, but the wind's different. So I go east and then north. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's, uh, it's, it's always a matter of, of uh, changing as conditions uh, themselves change. Yeah, that's really great advice. Thank you so much. And I know it was a big question um, and there's so much more that goes into each one of those steps. That was just really a high level, but I think it's interesting to hear the perspective of someone who has been touring for a really long time for short distance to long distances, um, who's now retired to doing longer trips and is not allowing any barriers to stop you from still touring. So thank you, Bill, so much for joining the show. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. And Donna, thanks, Bill. It was great to see you. Yes. Have you. And Donna, thank you so much. And listen, those of you that want to tour and are looking for more information about 
finding a host along the way or being a host for people that are touring like Bill that set out on these adventures, both short-term and long-term. If you want to host and provide them a stop along the way, don't forget to visit us at warmshowers.org is our website and you can become a user there. Or if you'd like to follow us on Instagram, we are warmshowers underscore org. And thank you for listening and we will be back soon. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Wherever you are listening, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps us reach more cyclists and hosts around the world. This episode of Bike Life Podcast was brought to you by BikeFlights.com, your source for the best bicycle shipping service and bike shipping boxes. Check out their boxes from the small to the large, which is suited for any type of bicycle, whether it's a children's bike, medium-sized bike, fully assembled bike, e-bike, and any other type of gear that you have. Go to BikeFlights.com forward slash warm showers in order to check out the boxes and book your next shipment. Visit us at warmshowers.org to become a part of our community or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit a question, please make sure to email us at podcast at warmshowers.org.